Guys, welcome back to the Physique Factory podcast. Today, we're joined by a special guest who's absolutely killing it on social media at the moment, and that's Ben Yanes. Ben, do you want to tell us what you're about, how you got into the industry, and all the exercise mechanic stuff that you're posting at the moment? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Excited to be here, excited to chat. Um, so I originally started out, I guess, in the fitness industry as like the whole failed athlete sort of a, a story. Um, you know, I, I played sports all through high school and a little bit briefly in college, but that didn't last uh, particularly long. So kind of searching to fulfill that competitive need. I, I dove into powerlifting and in sort of like a non-competitive way, at least formally. Uh, I just love powerlifting. And I started working with powerlifters through that. And, you know, uh, throughout my years in college, I worked with uh, a lot of athletes in the strength and conditioning program. So I actually interned at my college, did as much work as I could, coached as many different kinds of people as I could, and, and just got a lot of exposure to coaching in general, um, which was a great experience for me. Uh, in, in retrospect. Um, I think the problem that I had with working with athletes originally was basically that because I worked and you know, this could just be a product of where I was and, and what kind of people I was working with. But at a division three school, not many of the athletes are there, you know, at 6am for conditioning twice a week to, uh, you know, improve their, uh, you know, ability to play the sport, or at least that's not how most of them think of it. Most of them are just like tired and they don't want to be there. And they're still hung over from like three days of drinking over the weekend. So, you know, uh, point being, I didn't enjoy really working with athletes at my school that much because it didn't feel like they wanted to be there as much as I did. So um, that's kind of how I found my way into personal training, where I kind of viewed the interaction as like, of mutual benefit. And even if, you know, and still now, I have a few clients who just like hate working out, but they love what kind of comes along with the deal of working out and, and making progress in the gym and those sorts of things. So um, that's kind of what I gravitated toward uh, and why I gravitated away from, uh, I would say, the strength and conditioning stuff is just because I wanted to find a, a, you know, a segment of the population that really liked to work out or at least like the things associated with working out. Um and what I started to notice, not just kind of in myself, but in a lot of clients is like a lot of people just have, you know, uh, issues in training, right? It's like, oh, you know, my elbow hurts when I do this uh, pressing variation or, uh, you know, my my lower back hurts when I do this kind of a hinge or this kind of a squat. And that was always something that really bothered me from the standpoint of like, I experienced a lot of those things personally. And, and I think that most people do. And most people assume that, you know, those are things that are just normal, right? Those are things that kind of come along for the ride. And I don't disagree with that, you know, sort of uh, viewpoint on it in terms of, you know, you will experience if you push yourself to any degree, some kinds of pains, discomforts, tightnesses, that's all natural. I think that's unavoidable. But, you know, it seems like a majority of the population around personal training just seems to think of like, you know, these these little aches and pains, especially during exercise is completely like normal and acceptable. And I kind of just wasn't willing to accept that. So, um, you know, what I wanted to to do was kind of figure out why those sorts of things might be happening and, and to sort of um, work my way through potentially solving some of those issues, not just for me, but also for clients. So that was kind of that whole biomechanics anatomy thing was kind of uh, underneath of the surface during the whole strength and conditioning uh, stint if you want to, if you want to call it that, um, 
but it really, really took a priority for me when I started to experience more issues myself, which was, I don't know, two, three, four years ago now at this point. Um, and I've kind of just continued to go down that rabbit hole ever since just progressively working my way toward working with higher, uh, higher level athletes, mainly bodybuilders. Uh, and, and I kind of view my shtick now as the hypertrophy thing. Um, but more specifically, you know, the biomechanics, the physics around hypertrophy training, uh, and kind of how I can help, you know, the more advanced sorts of athletes, um, you know, go through their training, make progress in as pain-free a way as is humanly possible. So that's kind of currently where I'm at now, where I sort of view my role uh, in the industry as someone who is trying to push the needle in the direction of like, you know, getting the meatheads to, uh, you know, the traditional meatheads to see a little bit more of the intellectual side of things, while not being too turned off by like the overly wordy, overly intellectualized, pretentious messaging that like a lot of times comes through research. Um, which, you know, does nothing really but scare people off and make them feel insecure about their own intelligence. So anyway, with all, with all that being said, uh, I like working with big jack dudes uh, and any jack chicks, you know, who want to work with me, which at this point is not very many. Um, but that's kind of, you know, currently where I'm at and, and what I'm doing. And uh, in addition to that, I would say I'm trying to work with a, a bunch of, you know, trainers on my own just to kind of educate them and help them do the same. Oh, wicked. I think, like you said, then it's getting that point across to people who like the jacks, but they don't really know too much about like those big words and the confusing stuff about it and the, the mechanic stuff and making them look yeah. like using those analogies and especially what you're doing on social media with the post. So it's really, really relatable. It's easy to take in and learn from that. So it's, it's great in terms of what you're doing there. Yeah, thank you. I, I think that, um, uh, the you know the memes specifically have stirred up quite some controversy uh, which i kind of find surprising to some degree um because most of the like probably 80 to 90 percent of the time they're pretty much like i try to make them as impersonal as possible like you know uh you know making a silly cartoon you know mcdonald's dancing thing about like peck fibers or like reared out fibers um but yeah, a lot, a lot of people uh, seem to like sharing the memes as well, as polarizing as they can be. And so I think originally that was kind of a way for me to just try to force myself to simplify a message, um, because I think that's something that I struggle with most probably a year or two years ago is just being able to communicate something in a way that I felt was accurate and true to the content, but not overly convoluted and wordy to the point that it would turn people off to actually absorbing that information. Right. It's a very fine line. That's wicked. I mean, that's what we're going through at the moment when we like when we're coaching or training when I'm I've got like a bunch of PTs who actually coach online and we're trying to teach them some stuff, but it's trying to get it over to them, break it down, make it really easy to learn. And we're just using all like the complicated anatomy and biomechanics stuff and just trying to really break it down and make it easy. And that's what's like quite difficult about it. And that's what's when once you master that, then you're pretty much getting the full understanding of it, aren't you? Yeah, for sure. And I think there's that saying as well, like, you know, if you truly understand a subject, you should be able to explain it to like a five-year-old. So, you know, clearly you've got a good enough understanding of it. If you're managing to spread your message through memes, like I say, um, and keep it fairly simple, it shows your level of understanding with it. And once the, the deeper I've went into this stuff, um, the more, uh, the more basic I kind of make it, if that makes sense. When you first get into it, all the big words are great and that, and you think you're great, but then, yeah, you kind of come back to the start again. You're like, hold on, let's not, 
overcomplicate for the sake of overcomplicating because that's exactly what people kind of view biomechanics as and we kind of want to get rid of the like get rid of that kind of reputation for it yeah and i think a good that's a really good point and i think it's also very tricky to discern in in which cases people are honestly trying to communicate value and in which cases people are just trying to you know, put themselves on this like intellectual high ground and sort of like punch down and speak down to people. Because I think that I probably used to do that a lot just out of like my own ego, my own insecurity. But then when you come to realize that like, you know, you're going to reach a lot more people and actually help people if you can just kind of speak to their level, not in any sort of like judgmental way, right? Just like at a level that they actually understand, then even if some of the information isn't completely precise or correct, at least they're absorbing like 80 to 90% of what you think is actually, you know, the truth. Um, so it took a while for me to kind of swallow my pride and like just, uh, you know, not speak completely out of insecurity and to just like prioritize the listener. Um, but, you know, everything ultimately and unsurprisingly becomes, you know, more effective uh, in communication that way too. So as soon as you'd like learn those big words, resistance profiles, inertia and sort of all that stuff, you want to just like split it out, don't you? And then there's someone there. <laughs> like another language, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Like you said, it's just taking that hit with your ego and then learning to like dumb it down and, yeah, make things more applicable to people. Yeah, for sure. It's like when um, it's like when you get your car fixed or something. You go to the mechanic and he's like, "This was wrong with. This was wrong with. This was wrong with." And I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about, mate? Is it sorry? <laughs> that's the main thing. And that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what your client wants to hear as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, for me, it's it's it used to be kind of that way, but now at least like with my in person clients. A lot of my in-person clients found me through like Instagram. So they kind of, they're like not normal clients, if that makes sense. They're kind of like clients that have sort of dipped their toes into like this realm of things. And so it's kind of this in-between where it's not quite speaking at the gen pop Instagram level, but it's also not, not quite speaking at like the, you know, $2,000 course level. It's like somewhere in between, which is sometimes difficult to navigate, uh, but is I think very helpful just in kind of being able to identify where people are at um, just across, you know, many different people. Uh, that's a skill that I think that I can always, you know, improve on is just like identifying where people are actually at in terms of, you know, the terminology they understand, but not just the terminology, but like what those terms mean to them, because you can, you know, two people can use the same word and and have a very, very different understanding uh, of those words and how they fit into the the greater context of things. So that's, yeah, it's been very useful for me to, to work with people in person for that reason as well. Cool. I mean, that leads us into that next question. With all this like knowledge and information, what courses have you done like to get to where you are now like with all this knowledge that you've got? Yeah, so the answer is a lot, uh, and I can kind of I can kind of um, explain the pathway chronologically. Uh, and for anyone that has been following me since like a thousand followers, which at this point is a small percentage of people, but uh, you know they they'll kind of know exactly this kind of when transitions happen. So originally, when I got into the biomechanics stuff. I definitely fell more into the realm of like the physical therapy rehab models of learning. Um, so, you know, a lot of people maybe have heard of 
models like PRI, the Postural Restoration Institute, FRC, FMS, all those different kinds of things. I kind of dipped my toes into all of those different things and just tried to absorb as many, uh, you know, tidbits as I could. But ultimately what that led to for me was like this overly analytical, overly pretentious focus on these, you know, very minor things that didn't actually make a huge big picture difference in the context of the weight room, like maybe sure in the context of physical therapy. But I pretty quickly realized that like, if you try to apply physical therapy, uh, you know, modalities, not necessarily principles, because the principles can be the same. But if you try to apply the physical therapy modalities to like the 280 pound bodybuilder, it might work for like, you know, two or three minutes. And then, you know, they're back to their original, like, uh, problematic state, right. And, you know, in that sort of acute timeline. So basically I just, I shifted away from that when I realized that it wasn't going to be overly helpful, especially to the majority of people, because the majority of people obviously are not exceptions for obvious reasons. And so that's kind of when I dove more into the mechanical modeling of, um, you know, what is, I guess, traditionally known again, as like the traditional mechanical model, which a lot of people now teach as, you know, so like, for example, the guys at N1 education, uh, you know, Coach Cass uh, and Adam and Cody, they do a fantastic job of, I think, relaying specific information uh, and, and specific like functional anatomy based stuff. Um, so I took, you know, their online course, I actually went to their seminar um, early this year in February. It was fantastic. The practical was super fun uh, for anyone who's listening. I, I definitely could recommend it if, you know, it's. Uh, it's it's a big financial commitment, especially if you're overseas, but um, super, super worthwhile. And I couldn't recommend that more. And then uh, I would say probably the biggest influence on my learning has been or has come from RTS and Tom Purvis, which I think is probably the case for a lot of people who are sort of in this realm. Uh, you know, Tom is kind of like the godfather of all this stuff, or at least that's how I kind of view him. You know, names like Joe Bennett, uh, hypertrophy coach like Joe is like a disciple of, of Tom uh, and probably most people in this realm are disciples of Tom even if they don't actually know it uh, because a lot of what has happened is like Tom is kind of the guy who has translated all the textbooks and and not just anatomy textbooks but physics textbooks and kind of mixed and mashed them together and like put them out in uh, you know presentable video format um, but the great thing is that like no one knows about Tom too and Tom is like this little secret weapon that like we all are just kind of like hiding in our back pocket, um, <laughs> you know, so it's like, hey, social you know, media. no, no, you just can't stand it. So, you know, and understandably so. So, you know, whenever I try and trying to relay content, I'm like in the back of my head, I'm like, what would Tom think of this kind of a thing? And I know that regardless, he'd probably be pretty judgmental and harsh just given, you know, his his nature. But um, yeah, Tom Purvis and all of his courses um, and, and video lectures online. Uh, I, I definitely plan on seeing him in person at some point soon um, within the next year for sure. Uh, and, and maybe learning from him a little bit more on a personal level, if I can somehow manage that. Um, but that's kind of been the timeline is basically just I progress from these th physical therapy models more toward the, you know, the Tom Purvises of the world, the Casms of the world. Um, and through all of that, you know, I've, I've, I've done a ton of 
you know, reading and, and listening and learning from a bunch of other people as well. But those are more so just like kind of individual sources, one-offs, articles, uh, you know, research papers, those kinds of things that are all sort of related to whatever topic I'm, I'm currently learning about, um, which I think for people, you know, listening could be a helpful strategy for their learning, um, which is to say, like, I think a lot of people get caught up in where to start rather than just starting with something that they're interested in. And I give the example of like, if you're most people, like if you're a dude and you're just starting to lift, they're pretty interested in like biceps, right? Like biceps, everyone knows like what a bicep is. So like, if you just start and you like go on Google and you type in biceps anatomy or something like that's going to take you in some direction. And the direction may be just more specific to like the biceps, but like what if it takes you to learning about the elbow joint and then learning about the shoulder joint? And now, oh, look, there are all these other muscles that are on the shoulder joint that influence how the biceps act. So it's like kind of this cool chain of events that can occur where, you know, you can literally start anywhere in the body. And it's kind of cliche to say this, but like it's obviously all connected. Right. And so in some way, uh, shape or form, you're going to end up like learning about a bunch of other things that you never really thought that you would otherwise. So I think, you know, when it comes to the course conversation, the same thing applies where it's like it doesn't really matter what you start with. It's like, yeah, some things like I would recommend more than others. Like I would recommend Tom's courses for a personal trainer more than I would recommend, you know, the PRI PT courses for a personal trainer. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, you know. Uh, the the ultimate outcome of your learning is going to be that significantly different as long as you're kind of passionate and it's something that you really like to do, right? Eventually, you're going to find your way deeper and deeper uh, and be able to sort of contextualize things as they come and go, which, you know, as time goes on is eventually hopefully going to be most things. So, so that's basically, kind of the journey. You type bicep into Google and all of a sudden you're researching physics. <laughs> <laughs> you know all about moment i mean i mean yeah pretty much like that's how it happened but it, it's like one of those things like it, it does start like that you're like okay i want to build a bigger body so how do i do that find out a little bit about muscles find out a little bit about like muscle growth and then the next thing i've got the sore elbow so why have i got the sore elbow and then it, it just you know it, it snowballs from there doesn't it and for some more than others but um there is obviously like when when you go on about like you know some of the old, older style bodybuilders there is uh, some people who would just avoid it and not look any further and i suppose this modern meathead thing that you talk about is about being more savvy than that and that's that's all it really is but uh, yeah and um, with, with with the whole thing with tom stuff as well um i always find it very interesting that like personally i've spent a lot of time watching his lectures and you guys obviously have as well and you're like i've never met this guy but i've spent a lot of time with him <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like a weird, it's like, uh, what's the word? I think it's like parasocial relationship. Like that's the relationship that a lot of people have with like, you know, quote unquote influencers online where it's like, you feel like they're your friend, you know, but if Tom met you in person, you'd be like, who the, you know, who the hell are you? I have no idea who you are. Definitely uh, don't feel like my friend. Don't get that impression. <laughs> Dude, Tom's my friend. I mean, I'll, I'll think whatever I want. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of anger in some of those videos. Yeah, 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 for sure. For it's sure. crazy. It's crazy how he's like speaking to the camera and he's getting so emotional. It's just him and the camera, and that's it for like two hundred hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the funny thing is, is like I've rewatched and re-listened to all those videos so many times that like I almost can remember exactly what sort of emotional rabbit hole that he's going to go down. So I'll just like know to like skip five or ten minutes, um, <laughs> which I you know on first on first watch i don't i recommend people watch it you know all the way through because there are 
sort of tidbits interspersed in those like angry rants. But um, I think what what tended to happen to me is if I spent too much time watching Tom in any given time frame is I would become like progressively more cynical about the world and about the industry. <laughs> and so I needed to like, you know, watch and listen to people who are a little bit like more tilted in the opposite direction just to like make sure I didn't <laughs> become too, uh, too angry at the industry. So uh, I'm happy I didn't, you know, go completely down that way. And over here, we've got a good balance, actually, because we've got Michael, who runs RTS over here. And Michael's very different to Tom, and the way that he teaches is very different. So it gives you that nice Mm -hmm. kind of balance. Yeah. As with the courses, do you find, especially like with the words that you use, like what you said before with... They've got different meanings, but it's the same thing and different words and whatever. It's like I've just started doing pre-scripts at the moment and there's some like the concepts are pretty much the same. There's some little differences in there, but they've got different like phrases and words for that exactly the same meaning. And they're like really like confused thinking, right, play maintainer. Uh, <laughs> literally, that's you know, like talk, RTS language and that language. And it's sort of a bit like contrasting, trying to understand it. But I'm not sure yeah. what M1 was like in terms of their terms. Yeah, I think that, like, regardless of the terminology, what's most important is the sort of main, like, principle-based takeaway that you have. So I think people go through, at least based on my observation, people go through phases of, like, using different terms. And I don't think that, the terminology necessarily matters as long as you contextualize and explain what you mean by the terminology. Yeah. And ultimately, like if you're just using the wrong word, then that's like a different story. But if you're using something that's like mostly interchangeable, like the first example that comes into my head is like how people use the term axis or axis of rotation differently than they use fulcrum. And I've had like I've had a couple people ask like 20 times, like what is the difference between axis of rotation and fulcrum? And it's like, both of those things are so in in terms of application are so similar in terms of the way that you use the word that focusing too much on which of those two words you're using is likely to take away from the understanding of the surrounding context. So as long as you're not doing that thing where you're being overly, uh, concern with word usage uh from the from from that perspective then i think that it's okay to kind of just make sure you know whatever terms you're using you define them but i do think that like all other things people can take that a little too far and then just assume that like broad generalization and lack of specificity is also okay uh which also is hugely problematic when you have a good amount of people now speaking in broad generalization on social media. And then people, you know, assume that that person knows what they're talking about because they assume that they have the capability to be more precise about their speech. And, Oh no, I'm not being overly specific because like to each their own, but you know, if you don't, if you have no ability to actually go down the rabbit hole to be specific with a person in front of you, then, you know, the, the, the piece of advice you're giving is completely useless. Um, something that has actually bugged me more recently on this particular topic is like when people will be like, 
uh, you know, they're guiding someone with an exercise selection and they're like, oh, just like do what's comfortable for you. Like, it doesn't matter. Like use this bar, try that handle, use this thing, use that thing. Like it doesn't really, it, you know, it's all pretty much the same. Just like, you know, use whatever thing feels best for you. And it's like, well, if you can't at least define like a rough boundary or at least a goal with a particular exercise, then it's like, what is the point of, you know, actually doing that exercise in the first place it's like is if there's no goal then i could just like reverse the loading direction and it could be for a completely different muscle group right you could do the same like pattern but like change the direction of the loading and it would be for the opposite muscle group so i just think that like this anti-intellectual uh movement is in some ways justified but in other ways is used as justification for not being able to specify to greater degrees and to be more precise to greater degrees. So literally do anything as long as it feels good. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Like just, you know, I don't want to say, I don't know how inappropriate I'm capable of being here. Um, <laughs> Feel free. Go for yeah, it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, you know, do what feels good. Like just, you know, sit down on the lap, pull down and just like, you know, wank it or something like that. Like don't even grab the bar. Like what's the point of the bar? You know, we're, we don't have to be specific. So let's just like do what feels good in the moment. You know, FM. it's like people do that all the time. They just do what feels good and they end up in the same spot as everyone else, which is like they're not making progress. They're in pain. Uh, and, you know, they're like upset about the results. Uh, that's like that's like why people like us have jobs. It's like people don't really know where to go. You got to guide them. You can't just tell them to, you know, do what feels good. It doesn't work. You said before about that ignorance, like even like most PTs in the industry, they're still ignorant. Say if you've got any niggles or the client has any niggles or pain, it's like, oh no, it's fine. Just like train through it. It was like, is it that bad? It was like, no, it just hurts a bit. It was like, oh, it's fine. Just ignore it. But you just just see that so often, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, uh, that's puzzling to me because I, I do work in a, you know, in in a gym and I do still hear that. Um, even with people who, or maybe in the sort of upper echelon of like what I would consider the spectrum of like uh, competence and personal training. It's like, if, if a client is doing something and, and this is a, you know, there's so many different directions we could take this, but something else that uh, bu- particularly bugs me is when you hear from the very uh, from, from the PTs who are very much like, the biopsychosocial guys who like they sometimes kind of talk about biomechanics, but like not really. And like they make fun of people who talk about like fiber direction, those kinds of things. They will say like, oh, you know, if you have pain during an exercise and like you make an adjustment to the exercise and it's not painful, like you don't actually know like whether that adjustment was the thing that decreased the pain. And so I'm just like thinking like, okay, if I have a client and they're doing and they pick up a, you know, a barbell and they do a barbell curl and they're like, oh, this like doesn't feel too good in my, you know, my elbow. My elbow feels like shit doing this. And then I give them a dumbbell and the pain goes away. I think that's a pretty like clear example of of when changing the direction of loading and the constraints of the exercise immediately got rid of the pain that was clearly being caused by this other thing, right? It's not like a structural issue relative to the elbow, because if it were and I switched the implement and did the same thing then the pain would still, you know, would still be there. So again, like the other thing, it's like you could take it too far and and be overgeneralized and nonspecific and then claim, you know, authority on the subject because, you know, biopsychosocial model kind of a thing. Overcomplicating it though, just using dumbbells rather than a barbell. (laughs) 
Yeah, overcomplicating. That's what band is, right? Actually, where we're at. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's it's one of those things you you said at the beginning. You're on about like when clients would come to you and say, you know, I've got this niggle or this niggle, and um, when a client says that to you as a like coach as a PT, like the last thing you want to be doing is like looking at them with a blank stare, like I have no idea why that's happening. You kind of want to have that answer for them. So like, particularly as a coach, like this stuff is really important, but. A lot of guys like 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 I would have been when I was younger. I first got into this industry because I wanted to you know build some muscle, um, and it wasn't a, like you know I didn't get into actually PT because I wanted to build muscle. But you know what I mean. I got into the gym because I wanted to build muscle, and then um, you know when I first came in, it was just a case of right, okay, just lift weights and you know eat some food. That was kind of. But now like people that are starting and like the gym, starting to train, starting to like try and pack on some muscle, they must see this whole thing online where it's like there's these these guys who are like you need to ban this, you need to ban that. And then there's these other guys that are like, don't overcomplicate it, just do the basics. What would you say to someone that is like a, a beginner in the gym and in terms of like what direction to actually go to, like when they're kind of in that position? Oh, that's super tricky, man. I mean, the best case scenario is that they stay off of social media and they learn from someone who knows what they're doing. That's best case scenario, right? Like just delete your phone entirely, just like throw your phone out the window um and and learn from someone personally but obviously that's not uh 99.9 repeating percent of cases so what i would say other than you know follow my page is <laughs> that it's probably a good idea to try to figure as much as you can out for yourself right so obviously that's part of the problem is like what does figuring stuff out for yourself mean uh, because most of the time now it means like, just follow these people and like, listen and do exactly what they say. Like, that's kind of like where our learning environment has changed specifically in the last like five to 10 years. A lot is like so much of what people think that they understand is coming from social media now, rather than like books and, uh, you know, longer form content like podcasts, um, and obviously some podcasts are popular as well, but that's, I, I wouldn't say is the majority of people don't sit down and listen to like two and a half hour, three hour lectures, you know, uh, through podcast format. So, but in terms of like um, how, how to actually navigate that, I think what it mostly is going to come down to is the degree to which the person is willing to commit to actually learning about any of these topics. So for instance, you know, someone who works like, uh, you know, a nine to five and has three kids is probably not going to be willing to commit a ton of time to learning about biomechanics and physics and functional anatomy and how all those things interact. But someone who, you know, maybe is like still a high school student, still a college student, like they're living with their parents or they're in their dorm, whatever, they have a lot more time, generally speaking, uh, to kind of, you know, even if it's just 30 minutes, an hour a day, like sit down and maybe uh, listen to some longer form stuff or like, God forbid, read part of a book uh, or, or, or those kinds of things. So I would say the more time that you have available to you, the more time you should spend consuming different resources. And even if that just means you're going to be on social media and learn from people on social media, what I would recommend is follow a group, follow a bunch of people who say one thing and then do a bunch of searching and follow all the people that say exactly the opposite. And then try to consume it because this is like the, I, I just think is the, is the, gives you the highest percentage chance of like finding what works for you, which is you, you take in different opinions, you, 
you would you sort of adapt your style of training or methodology methodologies to either side of the spectrum. And then you find that, you know, in most cases, like the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, or at least it's like a, sl a sliding scale that changes depending on where you're at in your training career. So if you're consuming multiple different opinions and you're consuming multiple different opinions constantly, well, then you have tons of different options in terms of like what you actually are uh, capable of applying. And then as a consequence, you have an ability to actually see what works better for, for you. And that's not the general, oh, just do whatever you want and like figure out what's comfortable for you. It's more like, hey, take in all of these specific bits of information coming from different sides and different people and see which one of those two things or which one of those thousand different things uh, you know, you prefer, you see better results with, you're more pain-free with, uh, you know, you're growing more, you're getting stronger with all those different kinds of things. So again, the best, the best case scenario is, is learn from the people that have already done, you know, and dug through all that stuff. Um, and the worst case scenario is just sort of blindly following a guru that you see on Instagram and listening to, to everything they say. So I would encourage people, even if they're, you know, following me and try and like listening to everything that I say is like, think about all the stuff that I say and then go follow someone who says the opposite thing that I do and try to learn from them and then apply their methods and then apply my methods and, you know, whatever methods means, and then see which one you like more or is more sustainable or works better for you. Uh, and obviously that's a longer term process. That's not like, you know, you wake up one day and, oh, this method now works better. It's like this whole amalgamation of things across a long span of time that, that kind of gives you that answer. So that's what I would say generally in, in short is just consume as much as you can, but most specifically consume opposite things at the same time uh, and, and use the knowledge that you gain from those opposite experiences uh, to, to make the best decision for yourself and, you know, potentially for your clients, if you're a coach or if you're a trainer. That's it. So it's literally put it all together and make your own opinion and see how it applies to people. Yeah. I think that's one yeah. thing that RTS gave me is like, it's the whole question, like, don't just blindly follow it, just question everything, have a think for yourself and the ability to actually be able to look at something and say, right, I'm not just doing this because the biggest guy in my gym's doing it. Think, why is he doing that? What's he getting out of that? And what's potentially the downfalls of that? And then, yeah, like you say, just trial and error, figure out what works for you. Another thing um, to kind of add to that is, like, again, with, like, with all these people that, that are like everyone's putting their opinion online and everyone's saying, you know, either do this or don't do this. But the people that you learn from as well, I would say ensure they didn't stop learning a long time ago. Like people like ourselves were like constantly like I know I'm I'm still constantly exploring this stuff. Like I don't have all the answers and I never will. But like that's kind of the, the kind of people you want to look for, people that are constantly, you know, progressing their own knowledge in this stuff. Yeah. One of the days on uh, on this kind of a note, it, the one of the days that I was uh, most proud of myself was when I was listening to one of Tom's videos and I I heard him. I don't remember this specific statement because it's happened a bunch more times now, but he said something and I paused the video and I was like, I don't agree with that. And it was only up to that point that I was like kind of taking everything he was saying as, as gospel. And I was hearing him say, well, Oh, you know, like you should, you should think for yourself and question all these things. And it was the first time that I actually felt like I, uh, you know, 
in my own mind was like, oh, this is something I'm questioning right now in this sort of meta sense where it's like I was questioning a lot of the things that he was saying at that time when I never had previously. And so that's a really cool thing to kind of like be able to think for yourself and question the people that you view as like, you know, authority figures on a topic, because when you realize that like they only get to that point by doing the same thing that like, you know, that's that's a that's a really, really powerful thing to be able to do. Um, uh, especially when you have people around you who can maybe, you know, call you out on stuff and force you to do that for yourself as well. That's the thing. There's always a, like when you say like people call you out and things like there's always like a discussion to be had. It's never you're right. I'm wrong. It's like, you know, let's hear your point of view. Let's put our point of view to, across and like kind of see where it goes. It doesn't need to be this, this is right. This is wrong. But again, social media in a sense kind of, promotes that kind of stuff doesn't it because like I, I know like um did you put something out about like a bent over row or something um saying it wasn't a great exercise for building muscle like shit like that for social media it does just do so well doesn't it because people are like how dare he it's, triggering, it's not triggering people that's what gets the likes <laughs> <laughs> see it's interesting though because you know all of those things that i that i all those kind of like polarizing statements that i that i make are very uh, intentional, but they're always like hyper contextual. So if I say like, you know, for instance, like the Ben over row post that you're referring to was a post about like specifically lat and, and upper back hypertrophy. And it's like, well, you know, if, if, uh, if someone handed you two envelopes and they were like, Hey, in this envelope, you know, there's 50 bucks. And in this one, there's, you know, uh, 25 bucks which one do you want? Like, you're going to take the one that has 25 in it. Right. So it's like, do you choose an exercise? That's uh, a lot of things uh, kind of put together and mix mashed, or do you pick an exercise? If your goal is specifically to train this specific muscle, that's all of this one thing, right. That's the $50. And so I, I wrote it in that context of like, you know, chest supported row versus barbell bent over row. And I never said anything like, you know, you're, you're not going to grow any muscles if, if you do this exercise, but people will just read the first slide and, and, and comment. And all I have to say then is just like either read the caption or just like read the whole post. Cause at some point, uh, what, what people respond to is the specific context taken out of context. So, uh, and, and that's kind of like a, a strategy that is, you know, that's maybe a different discussion to discuss, like whether or not that's, you know, particularly ethical in some way. Um, but if it gets people to comment and I can respond and it's pretty harmless when they actually read and they're like, oh, yeah, I usually like we'll, we'll see that point that he's making after that. It's sort of like making an absolute statement, but having context to it as well, isn't it? Yeah, sort of. That happened to me as well. Like I done one about the tricep ropes, um, like being on the short tricep ropes, and I went into the gym the next day, and people were like, "Why are you using them? You hate them ropes." <laughs> <laughs> Do hate the VR yeah. though. I'm with you on that one, dude. It's it's so funny because you know all all the jokes are kind of the same now. Like when I when I go into the gym, it's like if there's a rope anywhere near me, if there's a fixed handle anywhere near me, it's like someone has to make a comment about it now. And like, usually when they do, I just, I just like throw the handle out and then, you know, take a video of it and eventually put it back in its crate where it, you know, was originally, but 
I wish I could keep it in the garbage still. So, <laughs> so yeah, those you, prime handles. What do you think of those? What what handles? The prime, you know, the rotate ones. The, oh, uh, man. Yeah, no, I made a post on those the other day, and someone bought them at the gym, and now it's fell out of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, those were like. Prime is a very like, you know, new company, relatively speaking. I mean, technically it's as old as hell because it was originally Strive, but, you know, Prime is like very flashy and new and like, you know, new age equipment, more functional equipment, whatever you want to call it. And so whenever they come out with a new product, everyone is like, oh my God, like everyone needs to get this. You know, if you're like, you're, you know, you're not getting these rotate handles, you know, what are you doing? And, and I originally was psyched about the rotate handles. I was like, holy shit, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And then like, I used them for a couple of weeks and I was like, this is, these are not particularly good. Uh, which, you know, a lot of people disagree with and that's fine. But uh, yeah, straps for the win. That's it. D handles and straps for the win. That's it, the most basic thing in the gym. Just get rid of the mag grips, get rid of the prime grips, the handles. That's it. Yeah. What's quite interesting is like you came from powerlifting and mm-hmm. now you're not like so much squat bench deadlift, if that makes sense. Like you, you actually put a post about the bench press up the other day. I'm just kind of connecting those dots there as well. It's quite interesting that you've kind of came full circle on that sort of thing and uh, kind of changed your opinion on it. Something I wanted to ask earlier as well. What what were your numbers like? On, uh, so on- that's, that's, that's funny. Cause that's what all the, uh, that's what all the haters ask me first too because 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 people don't realize that either that i kind of came from that uh you know i don't want to say background because again it wasn't like i had a formal career or anything like that um but i was like fairly strong for the amount of time that i lifted and for my my body weight so i weighed when i stopped powerlifting i weighed like 180 to 190 pounds and just for reference i now weigh like 215 220 so i've gained a good amount of weight to put on a lot of muscle uh, but when I stopped powerlifting again, around that 180, 190 range, I could bench press for a pause, like 370 pounds. I could squat, uh, 550 and I deadlifted 605, you know? So We're it's talking. like a three times body weight plus deadlift. And like, people are asking me like, you know, what do you know about like, you know, powerlifting? It's like, yeah, I'm not like John hack, you know, but like, uh, I have experience uh, you know, it, with barbells. And the reason I've moved away from them is because I hated them. Uh, or at least I grew to hate them <laughs> experientially. Yeah. We'll need to convert that for everyone over here. I was so we're talking thinking that. I went over my head then and it was like pounds to kg. What is that? We're talking like a 170 kilo bench, roughly. And then what the squat must have been about 250. What was the deadlift? Uh deadlift would have been 605 pound. 605. I'm actually translating this here. So that's 270. That's, that's a big deadlift. Nice. Yeah. I, I'm the same so. as you, though. Like, I've done a lot of squat and bench and deadlift when, uh, like, when I first started training. And for a good while, I wasn't ever into powerlifting. But, like, I also, I did, like, a, enjoy a one rep max, to be fair. Um, and I still do, to be honest. I still like doing a heavy deadlift and things like that. I've always been quite good at deadlift and shit like that. I mean, not quite 280, got 240. But, again, like, pound for pound. I'm like you. I mentioned my weight as well. I'm like, yeah, well, I was 80 kilos at the time. So, uh, three times body weight. Yeah. There you go. Um, that's when you know where we where we guys when we're like yeah we're bringing out our weight we just need to get that pound. For pound <laughs> I just you know keep it just make sure I establish it you know. I talk about it a lot and then when you get the bigger guys and they're saying well you know you're only doing this weight I'm like well can you do a pull up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you always got the pull up back card you know the card in your back pocket. 
<laughs> but um, speaking of bigger guys, like you said, obviously you, you train a lot of like bigger bodybuilders now. What are some of the considerations you come up with these guys compared to like you know someone who's not a bigger bodybuilder, someone who's maybe just a woman in her fifties, for example? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, a lot of considerations. So the first, the first thing to consider is just the the most obvious thing, which is the difference in uh, structure. And, you know, with people who are like 280, 290, 300 pounds, it's like you're dealing with people who have gotten so big and so muscular that it's almost like if you were to have compared them from, you know, when they, you know, weighed 100 pounds less or 50 kilos less, they're almost like they're completely different people. And so what tends to happen with structural adaptations of people who get bigger obviously their bo- their bones grow and stuff but i think from a joint range perspective every every single plane of motion um needs to be more specifically loaded in the much bigger individual because what happens is the range of space that they have to move just decreases and because the space that they have to move decreases you have to be more precise with the directions that you load them specifically if they're prone to injury. So for example, uh, I kind of dip my toe in the, um, the bodybuilding realm, I would say first and foremost, like a little over a year ago now, when I started training, uh, with who is now still my training partner and one of my closest friends who's an IFBB pro and in his off season, you know, he got his pro card last year, uh, and in his off season, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll weigh like 300, three, three hundred five, three ten, Um, so just like gigantic human. And for years and years and years, he would on a biweekly basis. Um, so every other week would get, would do go to physical therapy one week. And then the next week he would get massage done. So it'd be like every Wednesday, it was either physical therapy uh, or a massage and then a physical therapy massage and so on and so forth like that. And he did that for, I think two or three years, like super long time. And it was just basically because, you know, he, he felt stiff all the time from like a muscular perspective, um, which, you know, to some degree is unsurprising given how much body weight he has and how much he had gained in that, you know, two to three year span. Um, but he started, or he basically asked or proposed to, to, to train with me because he wanted to see if like he could, uh, you know, feel less stiff, just feel better in general, decrease pain symptoms. And I kid you not after like a month or two of us training together, he stopped going to PT and he stopped going to massage entirely and he had never felt at any point like he had been less stiff than he was after we had started to train together. And so, you know, the precise reason as to as to like why that is the case. Stretching, was stretching, yeah. <laughs> stretching with weights, stretching with <laughs> stretching with load, um, stretching precisely, you could call it. Um, no, you know, the exact reason that that was the case, like. I, I can't say in, in absolute certainty, uh, but what I believe is that when you load things as precisely as, you know, uh, you can, and specifically just, you know, for him in planes of motion that he had available to him, then what you do is you force, you force the individual to 
use contractile tissue to manage movement and the proportionate amount of stress that you put through, uh, we'll, we'll call it passive tissue, connective tissue decreases dramatically. And so it's kind of the old idea of like, you know, not tossing weights, uh, and, and, you know, not letting like inertial effects take the brunt of, of load, let's say on a squat, like don't dive on the squat kind of a thing. Um, I think it's just that at a much smaller scale on every single rep and on every single set of every single exercise, right? So, you know, to, to give maybe a concrete example for the listener, if this is kind of like too abstract, take like the example of the barbell curl uh, that we used earlier compared to maybe like a cable curl. The forces, especially in a bodybuilder, like a big bodybuilder that you will create with a barbell curl, fixing their hands to this, um, you know, static implement that is, that is unchanging both in terms of where it wants to pull you, but also where it wants to, to move your hands as you go through a curl is going to create forces on the elbow that force the connective tissues to behave in a very, very stiff kind of a way. Um, if, if any of you can picture this, just picture like, uh, kind of taking your arms out to the side and just like trying to hold the barbell super, super wide and fixing your elbows in a locked position. It's basically a position that forces your elbow to be like pulled medially. So there's this like huge lateral stress that gets created on the elbow. So if you can just basically take that, that person who's struggling with that fixed implement type thing, creating those sort of lateral medial stresses on the elbow and just direct it through the flexion extension path of motion that the elbow is, is meant to move in, not necessarily just like in this, you know, front to back plane, but just in any plane that they can actually access. Then what you do is you take the loading that was going through the connective tissue and you just give it all to the bicep, right? Or the brachialis or the brachioradialis. Um, and so it was just to me, it was an example of like proportionately distributing more stress to contractile tissue and kind of taking it away from connective tissue. Um, and, and as a consequence, like I said, like he stopped going to PT, he stopped having the, all the joint pains that he regularly had and, and he stopped feeling, uh, you know, stiff as a board waking up usually. That's a good way I like to explain that to clients actually is like, it's like a door, right? Like this door behind me. If I opened that door and I hung off this side of the door, the hinges were not going to like that very much. And using the barbell curl in that example, it's kind of like doing that to your elbow. Yeah. Yeah. Like and, simple way to think about it. Yeah. It's just people don't view these exercises in this kind of a way where it's like, there's just no reason to load your elbow that, that direction. Um, and, you know, again, like people, people think it's unimportant until it happens to them or until they run into a problem and then they'll have to deal with it now. And kind of what I'm just trying to get people to see is like, Hey, you don't have to wait until like your elbow is in, you know, crippling amounts of pain for you to actually address this. Like you can just actually address it now so that it doesn't have to happen, uh, you know, in, in 15 weeks. Be proactive, kind of not reactive. Exactly. Yeah. But like, like um, you said, that's what all, like all, a lot of the bigger guys that I know, that's exactly what they do. It's like massage or physiotherapy or something like that. But uh, they never think to change the way they train or not not very often anyway. They think to actually change what they're doing in the training. Because the basic, yeah, I, it's always been like done like that, hasn't it? And they don't want to learn anything else. And they're just going to keep going back to that massage and therapy. And they won't want to learn about the new stuff. Because you see it on social media all the time, don't you? Especially those old school bodybuilders who are like, 50 60 and they're taking the piss out of cables bands and it's like you just don't <laughs> you just don't understand it. it's not 
they're not using them just for the sake of using them. There's a reason behind it. But some people, obviously, they absolutely tear it apart and apply it awfully, don't they? Yeah, and I think that, like I said, you know, with just the whole getting bigger consideration is like, and to make maybe a more specific and helpful point is everyone is going to be different. Yes. To some degree from like a structural standpoint and the bigger that you get, the more narrow those sorts of ranges will become and the more specific that you have to become. But like the same kinds of principles apply to everyone, like load an elbow in the plane of motion that the elbow moves. And, you know, it's like, yeah, your elbow may like look differently uh, and move in different planes and your shoulders may move in different planes, but ultimately the principle is, is still the same. And this idea that like, and I, and I understand why this is the case. Like people look at a barbell, right. And specifically in this example, like a barbell curl and they're, they're just like, yeah, that's like normal. That's a normal thing to do. It's very normal to do barbell curls. Right. And mostly it's just because that's like, that's most of what people's introduction to like lifting weights is. It's like seeing people grab barbells and do things with barbells. So it's totally understandable, but it doesn't actually justify the logic behind using it. It's just like, Hey, this is something that I see other people do. And therefore it's normal. It's like, well, it actually doesn't make any sense. Like from a, from a structural perspective whatsoever, it's just that originally, like when, uh, you know, people, people started lifting weights and, and the barbell was invented. It was just the best tool to accomplish the task. Um, and, you know, just a little tidbit for anyone who's stuck at home and only has a barbell. If you want to do curls, uh, stick the, stick one end of the barbell in a corner. doesn't matter what, maybe a corner that you don't particularly like. So you have it in kind of a landmine kind of a way, and then grab the other end of the barbell and do a curl and you'll get a nice, uh, drop off in profile as well. And you're doing the curl and you can do a single arm. There you go. That's cool. Solution. I always regret the fact that, like, when we had like the lockdowns and that, I didn't really understand any of this stuff because with the limited <laughs> kit, I had, it would have been so applicable, wouldn't it? You'd be able to think of things like doing a wall set and really like driving yeah. the ground and things like that. Like, it would have been so much more applicable back then, and I probably would have handled that period. And when I think back, actually, throughout that period, I was squatting, bench, and deadlift, and just training with a barbell. I remember training with like a sleeve over my elbow because I was getting tendonitis, and it wasn't until you know, I, I don't even think I started learning about this stuff, but I realized it was like low bar squats. It was giving me that kind of tendonitis. So, uh, yeah, and that kind of, I suppose in a way that kind of kicked off a little bit of this stuff for me as well, actually. But yeah, had I known about it back then, that would have certainly helped a lot. Especially so, so, yeah. So this is a perfect, this is a perfect example about like I, what I kind of view uh, my mission as in terms of messaging is people assume and, and mostly because they've just been told this, that like when they get that elbow pain with the barbell curl, that like they just need to decrease the volume and decrease the load. Right. And most of the time that works, right. Cause you, you, you take away the stressor and you recover. Wow. Magic. But it's like, if, if we can just get people to a place where that just never happens in the first place, just imagine I was having a conversation with someone the other day and he was telling me how, like he had recently, moved his grip in on bench he's a powerlifter he had moved his grip in from like this really wide grip position and like his pecs felt so much better and his pec has never felt better he's tore his pec like two or three times or something in different places the same one and i was just like imagine because people are really tied to the numbers like you know uh, i bench oh i bench more wide grip therefore like wide grip uh you know i i, I lose 20 pounds on my one rm if i if i use close grip well it's like you're too narrowly focused on the day when in reality, it's like you, you yourself are sort of like a community 
onto yourself where it's like, there's the you that exists today. That is, that is pain-free, but that doesn't mean the you that exists a year from now is not going to tear their pack having progressed with this bench style. And it's like, by that point, it's like, it's so difficult, difficult for people to then go all the way back to square one to be like, I need to completely change my technique. When in reality, it's like, if you just, if you go with the most mechanically sound thing to begin with, then you progress beyond the point that you probably would have gotten to with the wide grip bench and you don't get hurt doing it and you progress that long-term. And it's like, you know, the injury equation is also tricky because you can't say that someone's never going to get hurt doing that anyway. Like it's powerlifting. It's a ridiculous sport to begin with. But at the same time, it's like, you know, this is kind of just what I'm trying to get across. So instead of just stopping doing the, you know, the barbell curls when you get hurt or decreasing the volume, it's just do the other things so that you never run into the problem. And, and like, you'll never look back from that. Um, oh, that's cool. So, yeah. We are uh, really aware of your time and I know you're busy because you need to make more posts. Um, but I don't know. We'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, do you want to say about like the modern, modern meathead thing that you've got going on at the moment? I'll explain a bit about that and uh, we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. So, um, launched this website thing like three days ago and uh, it's basically a subscription based, um, a subscription-based platform. Uh, I kind of view it as an education platform that's sort of dedicated to learning about a lot of this stuff and um, just sort of spreading the message as, as best I can. And included in the platform is, um, you know, monthly programming through uh, this this app that um, I had developed uh, with these this awesome agency that I've been working with, obviously you guys know. Um, and through the monthly programming, you will also get access to like the 200 plus videos on the exercise library of me doing a bunch of demos. That, by the way, was like one of the most exhausting things ever. It was like filming, you know, 150 video exercises in a day. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so in addition to those two things, you get the ebook for free when you sign up, Biomechanic Basics, great ebook, or so I've been told. Um, What's the other thing? Oh yeah, access to a private Facebook group and then access to a, a weekly live Q and A call with me, um, um, probably every Sunday, uh, where everyone in the group who is a part of the uh, platform can basically just fire questions at me, um, and yeah, so it's it's kind of like this little small community that I hopefully um, see as getting bigger and bigger as time goes on, and it's basically just a place for people to interact uh not only with me but with with other people who are like-minded um oh yeah and then in, in addition only the people that are in the group will have access to like a new monthly ebook that's going to be going out every single month um that will be on different topics every month um and, uh, so a lot of a lot of free stuff what you say where do we find you as well for for the listeners that aren't on instagram or like oh uh, yeah having got you on instagram should i say my name.com you know, benyanis.com. I also think that like, you know, if, if you don't know me through Instagram and you're listening to this podcast, like, you know, follow me on Instagram or don't, you know, it's up to you. Um, but I, I feel like, uh, I feel like if most people, if anyone are, is interested in this topic, you know, I'll kind of pop up somewhere and, and make you angry at some point anyway. So you know. I enjoy sharing your posts anyway. So they'll likely see it from me if they're listening to this. <laughs> Great. Great. I appreciate that. Okay. Right, yes, guys. Thanks a lot for coming on, Ben. All right, guys. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you having me.